Welcome to One Shot Church, where our goal is to create a place for you to believe and belong. We're so grateful that you tuned in to check out this message, and we'd love to meet you in person at one of our upcoming services at 10 a.m. Feel free to check out OneShotChurch.com for more info or to follow us on any of your social media platforms at OneShotChurch. Here's this week's message. Enjoy. Welcome. He did all the welcoming, so I just want to say welcome again. Uh, my name, like he said, is Darius. Uh, I go here, and while I'm here, I like to sing. I like to walk outside. A bunch, a bunch of people saw me in the parking We missed you today in the parking lot. I wasn't in the parking lot today. I was inside. They switched me up. Um, but I'm happy to really be here to really present a word to you guys that I think God has really laid on my heart. Um, to start us off, I would say that when I'm here, I have a great time. When I'm not here, I'm a brother, a son, I'm a teacher, I'm in grad school, uh, a boyfriend, you know, <laughs> shout out Lorena. Um, yeah, but when I'm here is different than when I'm not here. And when I'm not here, I think it's really, uh, there's one trait, like he talked about being humble that I liked. There's one trait that I have that is so different for me when I'm here than when I'm not here. That one trait I would say is based on my ability to play cards. If anyone knows me, <laughs> I am the best cards player in this room. No, I mean, this is, this is, just, this is just facts. So against, against anyone, honestly, I mean, if we're being real, you can play me in Tom, you can see me in Uno, you can see me in spades it's it's really a wrap but i really love to play cards and there's this one time i remember specifically that i was playing cards with a bunch of people we went up to um to one of our brothers was getting married so we went we had an airbnb and it's a past time we were playing cards in the, in the room oh, i was just trying to have a good time but of course shown rodney alex they want to make things hard they want to make it competitive i just want to have like a good time. I don't want to just be the one that wins all the time. I don't want to be the one that beats up on everybody. I'm just like, yo, just let's just have fun. Let's just let's just play relaxed. Everybody can get a win. Alex is getting his wins. I don't say anything. I'm like, good job, you know, good job. Rodney win one. I'm like, oh. <laughs> Rodney's won before me. I don't know. <laughs> At this point, it was one. I'm like, okay, Rodney's won. Alex won a couple. Then Shun start picking up, and everybody start looking at me. Where your wins at? How come you don't win? I'm like, yo, I'm just here, you know, for a good time. And they keep trying to pester me, pester me, trying to make me, trying to make it come out of me. I'm like, oh, well, you know, if, if this is what we're going to do, I got my headphones over there in my bag. I said, I'm licensed to carry. I will go get my headphones and y'all won't win again. They didn't believe me. I'm like, oh, go get your headphones. Go get your headphones. It's not going to make a difference. I get my headphones. Next game, guess who wins? Your boy. I win. We go again. They said, oh, it was fluke. You just got your headphones. It was lucky. Play the second game. I won again. I said, guys, this is not fair. This is not. No, I'm going to just take these off. Take the headphones off. Put them in a the bag. I said, guys, just know I'm two for two when I tell you I'm serious. You can't beat me. I'm just better than you. We go again. I take them off. There. They said, oh, you're not winning again. You can't win no more. I'm like, guys, I'm just here to have fun. This is not about me. This is about his wedding. We're just camaraderie right now. Of course, they start pestering again. I have to pull my headphones back. <laughs> I went two more straight. I said, guys, I'm four for four. You can't beat me. You can't beat me. Alex not here. I would point at him. He can't beat me. 
Luckily, I mean, unluckily, I eventually lost while I was in my bag. I said, let me just take these off. I went four for five. Shooting 80%. I said, hmm, y'all are not better than me. <laughs> it's okay. But the problem is, at times, when, I, when that one piece of that pride and how good I am at cards, I mean, that, I don't even know if I'd call it pride because, I mean, 80%. But that piece of pride, it starts to leak into other parts of my life that I don't really keep it welcome in. So when I'm not playing cards, I don't want to walk around like, you're not better than me, you can't beat me, I'm a better teacher than you, you can't beat me in a race. I, I mean, I used to do that a lot, but, you know, it, it is what it is. But the issue was when that belief started to leak over into other parts of my life that I didn't want it in. So there were people who would come around me and be like, oh, well, he's just so much better than the rest of us. And it would, it would come off that way, and I didn't, that was unintentional. And I don't want people to feel that way, but haven't we all had a prideful moment? where we're feeling like I have to choose between myself and someone else or this other thing. So it's like, I am the best. Either I'm better than you or it's not going to happen. So if I'm looking at this example, like pride has destroyed a lot of things. So it could destroy a relationship where I think I know better than what you know. So I'm going to just stay whatever's true or whatever's right, regardless how you feel. I'm going to choose myself over this situation. And that could cost that relationship. And there's another example where it's in school. Like, I, I don't have to study. <laughs> I'm paying attention in class. And you choose yourself over the situation. And then that situation will humble you. You'll get that test back. And it's, it's looking ugly. <laughs> it's looking ugly. There's another example where even if you're looking at your finances, right, where you think uh, everybody's buying a new car. Everybody's got a house, everybody's living, everybody got their new shoes. I want some new shoes. I could get a credit card. You swipe, you swipe, you swipe, and then all of a sudden it's, it's looking ugly again. <laughs> when, when the bills come around, it's like you can choose yourself over whatever that situation is. And you can get into trouble that way. And myself and my pride, even on the opposite end, where it's something that you're not super prideful of, where if I'm looking at the example, my family. I've, at times, I was not super, super prideful of where I came from. So I came from an air quote, broken home. It wouldn't, I didn't think it was broken at the time, but you could really start to think about, you go over to your friend's house, they got two parents, they eat dinner together, everything's beautiful, and then you go back to your house and things are not that way. And this, it's not a knock on my family. I love my family. But it starts to, oh, I'm not going to invite them to my house because they're going to expect things to do the same way as at their house. And it's, that's not the case. I had the same feeling at times when I was looking at uh, my skin color. You move into a new neighborhood, new people. Everybody doesn't look like you. And it's like, uh, I just want to be, like, accepted. Like, why can't this be automatic? And it's not the case. There's other examples where you have a house People live in these big mansions, and you live in the town, the one block of townhouses on the on the road, and it's like, why doesn't my house look like theirs? And that pride can really, either above or below, can really set you up to be like, I don't, I don't like this. I don't like how I feel. I don't like how I see myself based on this one perspective. And my goal here today is to show you guys that 
it is super important how you view yourself, either above, I'm better than you, or below, and like, I don't like this feeling. So you can really live in that place of trying to choose in between. So what I, the question I have is, how do you guys see yourself? Do you see yourself in the proper light? And then we're going to take a journey on trying to define that proper light today so that you guys can actually have an anchor or something concrete to live in. Make sense? All right. So uh, the first, before I super, super get started, that was my story. I'm going to pray really quick, and then we're going to go into our first scripture. So dear God, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity that you've given me that I could come and really be a vessel and a mouthpiece for you to thank you that. I'll take this opportunity to really share what you have inside of me and, uh, and that it comes out and it actually touches and it reaches the people that you have here before me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. All right, so if you have a Bible, if you don't have a Bible, that's fine. They're going to put the scriptures up behind me, but the first verse and chapter that we're going to talk about is John chapter 8. So I'm going to read it through these next two slides, and then we're going to stop at certain points as we look and try to dissect what's going on. John 8, 2 through 11. Early in the morning, he came again to the temple, he being Jesus. All the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. The scribes and the Pharisees brought a woman who had been caught in adultery. And placing her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law... Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? This they, this they said to test him, that they might have some charge to bring against him. Jesus bent down and wrote his finger on the ground. And they continued to ask him. He stood up and he said to them, let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. And once more he bent down and wrote in the ground. But when they heard it, they went away one by one, beginning with the older ones, and Jesus was left alone with the woman standing before him. Jesus stood up and said to her, woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? She said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from now on, sin no more. This is a, a heavy, really, a really heavy piece of, like, scripture where this woman was about to be killed. She was caught in a real act, and it's not hard. It's hard to be there in that situation. I want to try and help us pull out certain parts of this. Could you, could you go back one slide? All right, so the first part of this that I really wanted to bring out was the woman was caught in the act of adultery. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise their hand if they've been caught in the act of adultery, right? That'd be obnoxious. But there are different acts that you could be caught in, right? So whether you're caught in, like, trying to manipulate a situation so that it just benefits you, whether you're caught in, like, stealing. I've, I've been caught stealing once. I mean, it wasn't fun. They, they was looking at me like, well, where'd you get that candy bar from? Why's it still got the price tag on it? I'm like, I don't know, you caught me, you caught me. You know one wants to be there, it's uncomfortable. But you can really be caught in any act, right? So, um, lying, same thing. You're, you're telling a lie, and then you're like, but that doesn't align with the other story. 
you stuck. Like, they presented her in front of all these other people. Like, look what she did. She's caught here. And we all have some dirt or some instance or something that we are not proud of. And imagine being caught at that moment, put on trial that within 10 minutes, who knows how far her, her house was or the house was. Right now, we're about to, we're, we're putting you on trial based on what we just seen you do. It's, it's no fun because everybody has that dirt, right? Everybody has that thing that they've done. But the issue is when you have that thing or that thing's been attached to you s for so long that you start to even believe or you start to view yourself like that is a part of who you are. So imagine that, like, I stole something while I was 18, catch a charge. From now on, I'm viewed as, or I could be viewed as, the, th the thief. I'm just the thief. And, I, and this is how everyone's going to view me from now on. That's heavy to be able to carry that around. Like, you are that person because it's just been attached to you for years and years and years and years. But God isn't that way, thankfully, where we don't get to hold, or we don't have to, let's say, we don't have to hold that view of ourselves that we are and we hold this thing that we did because those things are not connected to who we are. But we could connect them. You should not. Make sense? So as we continue with this story, she had been caught in some act. Um, they placed her in the middle. Teacher, this woman has been caught in blank. Now the law of Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. What do you say? And they said this to test him, him being Jesus. What are they trying to test him in? They want to test how he views her or you. They're testing where Jesus is viewing you. And Jesus is there. In this instance, he starts playing in his sand. He already has a view of her. They want to test her life and to see how he sees her. So imagine you were just caught. Jesus is looking at you. They're going to protect. Is this person really saved, Jesus? Does this person really love you? Is this really your servant? Like all of these tests and all these critics have everything that they want to say about who you are. But Jesus is at that moment and he does not believe those things. He already has a view of you before you had a view of you, before you had a you. Even Jesus knew who you are, and he had a perfect view of you. And we'll talk more about where you find that perfect view. But you have that opportunity to really live in and be a person of upright standing, a person of upright character, regardless or detached from who, what you do. Does that make sense? All right. So they were trying to test his view. He held his ground. He continues to hold his ground. And as you move through, uh, excuse me, they all had an opportunity to accuse. And they kept accusing and they kept accusing. Jesus stood his ground and continues to lay in the sand. Did you hit the and they continue to ask him. They keep asking him. Imagine you're in this place now. 
these accusations are coming, and they consistently come, and they're still coming, and they're still coming, and, and the judge is, like, ignoring you. The judge is playing in the sand, like, I'm standing here in the act, <laughs> and, you, and you have nothing to say. Like, but Jesus still has a view, and they keep asking, and they keep pestering, what does he view you? What is his per- perception? So the woman knew, even if she made it out alive, like she was, it was looking slim at this point. She, she got caught in the act. She's a woman, first of all, in this time, so her identity and her position is already super low. She's caught in the act. What do you, if I make it even out of this, they're going to know me as the woman who was caught in the sand. I mean, the woman who was caught in the act, and G- the judge was playing in the sand. I'm going down in history forever uh, it w- based on this one action, this one instance that I was caught in. And Jesus knew that this is how a lot of us would even see our lives, that we could get caught in one act in one instance and forever be stuck somewhere. But there are some things that Jesus would even give us so that we never have to live at that position, meaning like our character is not always going to be attached to this one thing that we did. So imagine being, breaking the rule, and you're forever the rule breaker. No one wants to be the rule breaker. No one wants to be viewed as, not even just be that person. Everyone saw, there's a big crowd, not even just you, you view yourself that way. Other people are going to say, oh, that was the woman who, blank. that was the, the liar. That was the, the black sheep who the one who shouldn't be there. That was the person who fell behind and it wasn't able to catch up. That was the person who dropped out of school. That was the person who was the late bloomer. And imagine always being attached to what someone else's view of you was. That's dangerous. Especially if you can't control other people's view. What am I supposed to do about how you see me? I can't change how you see me. But you can get stuck there. But Jesus doesn't get stuck there. But Jesus doesn't get stuck there. That's good. So they continue to ask him. He stood up in this and said to them, he who's without sin, throw the first, the first stone. We see, even as we think about it now, Jesus didn't view them the same way they viewed themselves, the, ac- the accusers. Jesus didn't say, oh, y'all think y'all so good? Go ahead. Do it. He challenged their view of themselves. He said, oh, you're the accuser, but where's your view? Who are you? What have you done? Can you justly, in your own mind, stone this woman? And they couldn't because they know how they view themselves. They know what they have done, and no one wants to be there. No one really wants to be in that position where, oh, I know I'm better than you, so I'm going to stone you, but that's, that's not the case. And they couldn't even do it there. Jesus didn't condemn them, condemn her either. Jesus was the only one left, and his view of her was the only view that remained. Everybody else had a view. They came. It was stuck. She was standing there looking at everyone's view of her and even look at everyone's view of her change, looking at everyone's view of her grow and to see that, like, they are in this position that Jesus had a view of her as valuable. They needed to grow their view in order to see her as valuable. So 
Jesus' view was the only one that was left standing, and she then had a choice. She could have picked up some rocks and stoned herself, or she could have adopted the only view of her that was left. There was only one view left. Everyone else had a view. They were there. We were all putting her on trial, putting us on trial. And she chose or she chooses to go and sin no more. That's the view that God is allowing us to do, not based on what we've done, because the law says you did this, you get this. That's only fair. No one made her go and do that. But you do this, you get this. And that's it's tough. But there's grace. And where does that grace come from? Not you. Not what you did. Not what you deserve. But that grace is always coming from someone else. Jesus did not accuse her. What do we need to do to ourselves? Can we accuse ourselves even if Jesus isn't even accusing us? We can. <laughs> it's not helpful. We shouldn't. It's still not helpful. We have to be able to attach the view or accept the view that Jesus has. And the only way you can accept someone else's view is if you know how they view you. Does that make sense? Right? And the reason why I say that is because you have to take the credit and the criticism. So if you are taking the credit for making it out of the situation, you have to also take the criticism of, okay, I deserve this. Well, that's tough. Even in the situations where you're winning, you're successful. I won the car game, I'm the best. But once I lose, I suck, right? Nobody wants to be in that position of like, oh, well, I'm sp I was supposed to win. I was in my bag, like, but I lost. And now I have to have that conversation of, Alex did beat me. <laughs> uh, Ronnie did beat me, <laughs> you know? No one wants to be there where you have to take that criticism as well. But in this situation, Jesus removes and receives all of the credit and all of the criticism. That's all negated through grace. And I want us to look a little bit more at the view that we should be having as we're in these situations. So could you go one more slide? And this is uh, my main point, excuse me, that uh, I can view what Jesus has done for me or I can view what I have done for myself. You're going to be doing a lot of things all through your life. You woke up and you did maybe 100 things so far. You can consistently view what Jesus has done for you. I got myself here to church today. Or Jesus did something for you to get here, to have that opportunity to be in this space so that you could give and you could have an opportunity to do and be somewhere and something for his glory. Does that make sense? All right. One more slide. So this is uh, where I started to look at the view of Jesus and how can I adapt this view and how does this view really um, affect me. In this, this book of the Bible, Galatians, is there was a group of Jewish Christians who were starting to believe Jesus. And since then, their view of Jesus had been tainted or changed. So they had a good view. The view gets disrupted 
and now they're struggling to reattach that view that they should have. So in a little bit of context, they said, you were running well. Who hindered you from obeying the truth? This persuasion is not from him. Who calls you? A little leaven leavens the whole lump. I have confidence in the Lord that you will take no other view, and the one who is troubling you will bear the penalty, whoever he is. So there is a lot of different things, and in this case, they were talking about circumcision, where if you wanted to become a Christian, you had to be circumcised. If you wanted to be a Christian, you had to go to church. If you wanted to love God, if you wanted to be in our circle, you have to stop cursing, you have to do all of these other actions in order to put yourself in a position to be loved by God. And that was the challenge that they were having in this space and that we still kind of do have as well, where we're looking at ourselves. They viewed a connection with God as to something that you needed to do. There's something that I need to do in order to put myself to be loved by God. Is that the case? No, that's not the case. Jesus and our position is from Christ alone. So we get to be here based not on what we do, what we can do, even after we've been saved. Once we're saved, that doesn't change. We can't keep saving ourselves. Jesus has us and he holds us and based on his love, based on his actions, based on his sacrifice, based on his cross, based on everything that he's done. There's no way that we get to then all of a sudden take credit for, but I went to church, but I stopped cursing, but I wore a suit. Like There's so many different things that we try and attach to our salvation that is not, that's not that's not what's holding us and we can even put that view onto other people or onto other newer Christians where they're trying to grow into this church perception or this church view of how we should be living oh you want to be with us us Christians you got to clean it up and we didn't even clean it up we can't even clean it up but you put that view on and that challenge on somebody else who's new and they can't. That's why a lot of people get stuck and they're like, why do I want to do this? This is, this, is, this is impossible. There's no way I can do this. There was no way that I did it. There's no way that we did it. But we make other people try and do what we can't do and we are never able to do. The only way we get saved is through what Jesus has done and through what he has given us. It's a gift. It's not on what we do. All right. And I think there was another script, uh, point after this where our view of God needs to be fed and protected. Where we have a view, we were here, we, had us, we, prayed, we prayed the prayer, we knew God did it for us. Somewhere along the line, someone, something tells us otherwise. There's a different way that you need to keep, not get, that you need to keep what you've already received. And that's, you have to protect what God has given you. How do you protect what God has given you? By feeding yourself exactly what he's given you. He's given you his word, he's given you his promise. You know where he is. You need to feed yourself those things. If you don't, someone's gonna be feeding you. And if you're not feeding you, you're just going to take what someone else gives you and call it your own doctrine? That's, 
That's dangerous to get to eat what somebody else is giving you, not even knowing where it's from. You have to be able to know this is what the Bible says about me. This is the view that I'm standing on. And if this if you have one scripture, I have one scripture. I'm going to share it in a bit. But if you have one scripture, there's only one place that you, I know exactly what God has said about me. Unless you can disprove this scripture, I'm not hearing anything you have to say. Does that make sense? All right. So on the next slide, we're looking at my favorite verse. It's, in, it's on my Instagram, guys. You know. Um, but it says, for by a single offering, he has perfected, he in Jesus, has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. Those who are being sanctified being me. Me, I'm being sanctified. By a single offering, Jesus' offering, not mine, not my clothes, not my actions, not my good deeds, not my bad deeds, nothing that has anything to do with me. What Jesus has done, he's perfected me. That's past tense, that's present tense. Like that, I've been perfected. I can't be unperfected based on what I did. My perfection is anchored in Jesus' single offering. And after he did his one offering, he doesn't go back on the cross to re-save me. He saved me 2,020-ish years ago, right? <laughs> Who knows exactly how many, but it was a long time ago that I was perfected. If I was perfected before I was born, can I be perfected again after God perfected me? No. I can only be perfected based on what Jesus has done. And when you believe in that view, you, you, there's no perfection that you can add. You can't add to perfection. I can't make myself more perfect by <laughs> driving a new car. Like, I, there's nothing else that I can do. My perfection is anchored in solely in what Jesus has done for me. All right? Uh, and you have to know whatever your view is of God. You can hit the next slide. Oh, yeah, yeah. There we go. So we are perfected through Christ's death. Perfected. We're done. You can, your job or our job is to let other people know that they are perfected. Not to let other people know that they have to do something. We need to let other people know what they are given from Jesus. Not what we have done. Not what they can do for themselves. If you get right, you might be saved. It's not the case. We have to let other people know you can be perfected too. Not even based on what you can do. Sometimes. Yeah, so the everything that they can be perfected in is based on them, not on them. Based only on what Jesus has done. And then there's one more scripture that I really wanted to, to anchor us home in. This was in Colossians 1, 22. It says, He has now reconciled in his body of flesh 
by his death in order to present you holy and blameless and above reproach. He has now reconciled in his body of flesh by his death in order to present you holy and blameless above reproach. When I read this, the first thing I think is, who am I being presented to? Am I being presented to you guys? No. Am I being presented to the people at my job? No, I don't care about them. I can't, oh no. I do, I do care, I do care. Oh man, I care about who I'm being presented to. I've been presented in Christ's body based on what he's already done. So if I believe that Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on the cross, bled for me, there's nothing that I, I've already been presented. Jesus, all that's already happened. I'm now holy and blameless when I sit in believing or the view that I'm in Christ's body. So I stay in Christ's body, I'm holy and blameless. How do I stay there? That's based on what Jesus has done. As long as Jesus doesn't rewind time, undo his sacrifice, there's nothing I can add or change. What I need to add and change is feeding myself the view only what Christ has done for me. Um, and then the last thing I wanted to make sure I say is that God will never unpresent you. God will never unpresent you. That just because he's presented you, that's not based on what you were able to do. He's not going to unpresent you because you did something wrong or because you were you struggled in an instance or because you did something that you aren't proud of because you were caught in an act because you lost in spades because anything like there's no there's no reason or way that God will be able to unpresent you because he's presenting you to himself so I'm presented based on what God has done for me to give glory to himself so he gets all the glory and the praise, like, wow, look at, the, <laughs> look, look at Darius, holy and blameless before me. Not based on what I did. I didn't do anything to be holy or blameless. I'm holy and blameless before God, and I get the credit for it. Because Christ did something for me. And there's a lot of different ways that we can get confused or a lot of different things that draw away from what is really important. And what's really important is that Jesus has done something for everyone, for now, for later, forever, that we really get to be in his presence, never unpresented based on what he's given us. And we have an opportunity to really spend time with him. And it's hard when you have that pride of like, ah, I'm the best. 
you can have that pride of knowing you're the best if you can take that criticism when you fall. You can also give the credit to your life, of your life. I'm only here because of what Jesus has given me. I'm only here because of his sacrifice. And every time somebody gets to say, you're really good at cards. <laughs> Sorry. But the credit goes, right, and you can point back. That's our job. That's our opportunity to really show people that the only way and the only reason I'm anything is because of what Jesus has given me. And that's our goal as Christians, as people that really are here to spend time so that we could give God glory and then we'll get rewarded in the end for doing, for, we didn't do it. So we get rewarded for something we didn't do. Your job and our job is to really give God that glory and that praise. We have to let people know, that's our job. And that's uh, not all I wanted to share, but that was my main goal. And then I wanted to put our bottom line, these three view, these three verses together so that I could really, I guess, you know, hammer it home. Sorry. I can view what Jesus has done for me or I can view what I've done for myself. Our view of God needs to be fed and protected. And we are perfected through Christ's death. So there's a whole lot of different scriptures that you can read in terms of like where your position comes from and what view you can and should have of yourself. This is my favorite because it tells me for one sacrifice has nothing to do with me. I'm perfected. Your job is to continue to live in that space. And we can go home and take that place with us every day that we go and let somebody else know. Thank you for this opportunity, you know. I'm glad I could speak.